Welcome back to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. I'm your host, Joanne, and today I am super excited to introduce you all to Corey Nimoto. Corey is the co-owner and founder of Keiko Capital. He began investing in 2011 in Southern California, actually. But after finishing his bachelor's and graduating, he moved back to Hawaii, and that's where he does most of his investing now. On a daily basis, Corey runs the day-to-day operations for Keiko Capital, and he specializes in deal sourcing and valuations, acquisitions, financing, investor relations, and project management. Hi, Corey. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Welcome to the show. Do you want to give the audience an introduction? Maybe let them know how you got started in real estate? Sure. Um, well, it's kind of a simple story. I, uh, it was, I was in my final um, year in college and uh, I was kind of in that, I guess, transition mode where I didn't know what I wanted to do after college because uh, my degree was in exercise science and I had a minor in marketing. Uh, but I definitely did not want to go into exercise science and uh, physical therapy or uh, physiology, exercise physiology. So I was in a moment in my life where I was kind of a little unsure of what I was going to do, you know. And uh, my dad is, was um, kind of telling me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad for the longest time because I think he had a, he's, he kind of sensed that I had the entrepreneur spirit in me. And so... I finally read that book and I, it was just the perfect book at the perfect time for me to read because it, it changed my life and it kind of confirmed all of the concerns I had deep down inside that I didn't want to speak about uh, because not only did I not want to, you know, go into exercise science or, you know, or a career in that sense, it's just, I, I didn't really want to work at all. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of, you know, I, I felt ashamed or embarrassed to have those feelings because I, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a lazy person by any means, you know, if anything, I'm the opposite. So, but I had those feelings and I didn't know what to do with them. And it was more because I, you know, I wanted to start, you know, be in charge of my own destiny and take control of the time that I have every day. So when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, all of those words kind of uh, hit me straight in the heart when I was reading it because it was kind of confirming that it's okay to feel like you don't want to go the traditional route of working a nine to five uh, job and um, have someone else be responsible for your destiny. So it made me feel a lot better, but it sparked a, like a flame in me um, to kind of venture out and, and go into entrepreneurship. I, I kind of already had that sense of myself because I, I started a couple of businesses before I got into real estate ended up selling one of them. And uh, so, but I just didn't know that that was entrepreneurship, <laughs> you know? So I, uh, after that, I, I, I think Robert Kiyosaki mentions in that book that, you know, to get started in real estate, kind of just reach out to your local RIA clubs or real estate investing clubs that are in your area. And at the time I was in Riverside, California. So I did that and uh, I linked up with this group, um, out in Riverside called New Wealth Advisors Club. And they, uh, I went to one of their meetings and it kind of just got me pumped up. You know, and I, I, I bought into one of their training courses and um, they were a little different because they, 
they focus just on Riverside and more recently out of coincidence, they moved to Hawaii, which I've reconnected with them now just to tell them how much they've meant to me, you know, and how much I've learned. And um, it was just a real kind of surreal um, reunion, you know, so because uh, I met my first mentor through that group. And that was back in 2011. And since then, you know, I, I've taken the lessons I've learned with them and kind of gotten, you know, my foothold in multiple markets now. Um, now, you know, I've flipped houses, um, wholesale, done all sorts of projects ranging from development um, all the way up to commercial. So, and we're in, me and my business partner are in multiple markets. We're in Hawaii, Seattle, and uh, Las Vegas. Awesome. Wow. What a story, huh? <laughs> I mean, I was so curious, like, what does your dad do? Is he an investor too? Because um, he's the one who really turned you onto it, right? By telling you to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's an entrepreneur at heart too. Um, he was, he worked for a university. He was a director of financial aid for one of the universities and here in Hawaii. And then um, now he has his own company. He does like a, a media. So it's a, a lot of online uh, media stuff. And uh, he's kind of more into like screenwriting and stuff. So it's, he is on his own journey, his own venture. And it's cool to watch. That's so cool. I'm the other way around. I'm trying to get my, my dad to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's nice that, you know, he was the one who, who, turned you on to that book and at such a pivotal time in your life too, you know, and I look around, I know, know that when I was in college, that many people were graduating and thinking about going into real estate investing. If you, can you recall how that was like for you, how you felt at the time? I mean, unless a lot of your peers were, that might be a different experience. But for me, none of my friends were talking about real estate investing when I was in college. Yeah, no, same here. I didn't have any friends that were close to me that were, into investing in real estate. And um, so it was uh, really a reach for me because I knew nothing about real estate. Um, and it's funny because I tell this story before when I was at that first meetup with that club, um, they were saying, uh, you know, all types of words I didn't understand, like short sale, escrow title. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was just sitting there and I'm, I'm, uh, introvert myself. I'm shy. So I'm not one to like raise my hand and ask questions and make sure, you know, especially if everyone, I feel everyone around me kind of at least has an understanding of what those words were. So I would um, write in my notebook all the words that I didn't understand. And then after the event was finished, I would rush home and Google it, you know, Google every word and kind of piece it to get, try to piece everything together myself because I was too shy to ask. <laughs> so uh, and it's funny because I found that notebook like a year ago, right before I reunited with uh, the club and the owner there. And one of the words in my notebook was mortgage. So I didn't know what a mortgage was, you know. So when I say I didn't know know anything about real estate, like I really didn't know anything about real estate. And it's surreal today because I own a, a lending company. I own a, a real estate investment fund and we do a lot of mortgages, you know, we close a lot of loans. So, um, and I have to understand the documents that are sometimes a hundred, hundred pages long, you know, and all legalese. So it's so surreal looking back, like how far I've come, you know, and it's, uh, I feel it's been a short time cause 
it's been about nine years, maybe eight or nine years. So I'm still young in my career, but I also feel that it's been a long journey, you know, to this road. So I, and I'm no, by no means finished yet, but it is surreal looking back to see where I started. <laughs> yeah, it's like coming full circle. <laughs> it's funny because I'm like a, um, what do you call those people? Like an introverted, extroverted. So a lot of people don't know that I'm introverted too. They just see the extroverted side. But what you were talking about, you know, in a room full of people raising your hand, like that is one of my biggest fears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that because some people feel that, I, you know, see me, I, I'm, I do a lot of uh, talks every Friday with a big group. Uh, you know, I've spoken in front of large crowds. But uh, I wasn't always that way. You know, I've gained confidence, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, but still to this day, those things, like, they wipe me out after, you know, my energy is drained and it's just, it's always hard for me. But, and that's part of business too, is getting over your fears, right? And uh, getting to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So a lot of, a lot of life, life lessons early on. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. If you want to do anything, you know, big, you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Corey, do you have any words of advice for someone who might be, you know, wanting to get into real estate, wanting to invest, but maybe they are where you were like 10 years ago or so, you know, they're, they don't even know what a mortgage means, but you know, like looking at you now, they're like, wow, they, they can get started and they can make a, actually a huge impact if, if, they just, um, if they just are able to get over that fear. Right. Well, um, there's a few things I'd recommend. And the first thing I feel is that you got to know why you're doing it. And uh, my very first mentor who I met was um, very hard on me and he didn't uh, put up with anything. And the first time I met him, he asked me why real estate, you know, and I couldn't answer that question because um, I didn't want to, for some reason at the meeting with him, I didn't want to tell him I, I'm here because I read a book about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and real estate. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, for some reason, I felt ashamed to say that. But um, so I couldn't answer his question. And he rolled down a piece of paper and he kind of slid it across the table to me and he said, you know, if it's for any of these two reasons, then, you know, this conversation's over and we'll part as friends, but we, we can't do business together. And the two words were money and like the notoriety of being an investor or the image. You know, if you're here for like the glory, you know, or the money, then, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it basically because it's, uh, Sometimes, like we talked about, it's just so uncomfortable with what you have to do to get to a certain level that most people quit, right? And uh, so if you don't have a why, you know, and that was the first time someone's ever asked me what my why is. That's what he was asking me, basically. Um, if you don't know, know your why, then you don't want, when, you, when it comes into question, when things get hard and you start to question yourself, why am I doing this? You're going to quit if you don't already know that answer, right? So you got to make sure you have a deeper purpose um, than money and, and whatever notoriety that you might get, you know, from chasing this dream of financial freedom. So I would recommend that, you know, first you got to look internally and, and know your why, 
and know what value you have because everybody has value to give. I don't care what level you're at, you know, because I was at the very beginning stages and I didn't have any value. I didn't have money. I didn't have connections. I didn't have network. I didn't have deals, you know, so my only value at the time was my hustle, you know, and uh, so I was put to work to, to door knock for, you know, my mentor and that was brutal in uh, the, you know, late or late 2011, early or, and throughout 2012, I door knocked for them and that was when the market was still recovering, you know, it wasn't, people were still going through hard times. So it was you know, very uncomfortable experience door knocking for them but that was probably my biggest growth you know i i really had to learn you know what i had inside of me you know and, and push through because that was probably the hardest year um the biggest change you know and, and growth for myself um so i'd say that first look internally and then uh when it comes to getting started maybe something tangible i would say try to find who are the players in your market and introduce yourself to them if you can and find a way to provide them value without any expectation of getting getting something back in return and magic starts to happen you know and so uh, for me when i moved back to hawaii i was Given the tasks, I volunteered to work for this meetup club, this real estate investors meetup club, where it's only for experienced investors. So you have to have done at least one deal um, before, whether it's a buy and hold deal, whether you wholesale something or your private lender, or you flipped a house, even if you lost money on the deal, um, as long as you've done one, uh, then you're qualified to come in. And so everyone in that group is experienced investors who are actually doing real investment deals, real estate investment deals. So it's a higher level group and I wasn't supposed to be in that room, but I got in the room because I was the admin guy. So I was the admin guy and uh, which was perfect because everybody has to go through the admin guy, right? They have to if they have problems or if they have questions, they call me. So I have everybody's contact information. I have relationships with everybody in the room. So it's perfect for a person starting out because I started out wholesaling, right? Which most people do. Um, and so I had a big list of experienced investors that as if I had a deal, I, you know, I can, I can give it to them and, and get paid a fee for that. So that's how, that's what I would recommend. See, first find out what type of value you have to give and then find the people to give it to, you know, to give your value to. And um, then in turn, you know, you start to learn the industry, build um, a network of your of your own and resources start to follow that, you know. So that's how what I would say and recommend to people, you know, getting started for sure. Yeah, what a great hack that is. It's like perfect, right? It sets you up for your wholesaling business too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, to, to break through in this industry, I mean, you're going to pay in some fashion either with your time or your efforts and your energy, you know? So in my sense, I didn't, I, or your money and I didn't have money, but I had time and efforts. Right. So that's what I, that's the, the currency I paid to, you know, get started 
<laughs> mm -hmm. And I love that your mentor also asked you about your why, right? Because anybody could really teach you like the principles of what to do, but it sounds like he actually really cared uh, about like the bigger picture beyond just teaching you like, oh, this is how you wholesale or this is how you flip a house. It's like, what are you doing this for? So if you don't share, mind sharing with the audience, Corey, like what is your why? Oh, sure. <clears throat> My why is basically it's changed over the years and uh i always i want to take care of my family um make sure that you know i build a legacy in that fashion where um i can take care of my parents you know when they want to stop working you know and uh have them happily retired and they don't have to worry you know a day in their life and a lot of the other people that have supported me um now since uh i i co-owner alongside my my business partner and we have partners but we we vertically integrate our company so we own like six companies now and uh each each one of them are kind of centered around real estate and with that comes a lot of responsibility because we have teams in every single company and people relying on us so and it's my dream you know that uh and part of my why is that you know we build out something uh that can service all of them and their families you know and uh one day the people who you know they bet on us when we were first starting and they they believed in us in, in jumping into this you know a new company or a new venture which a lot of times is uncertain you know but they and when you first start a company a lot of times you're bootstrapping it so you're having to be very careful on how much you pay out and how, where the money is allocated until you're profitable. So there's a lot of people that have been with us from day one, you know, and they've, they've made the climb alongside us and they're like family to us as well. So you know, eventually, you know, my why is to grow these companies so successful so that everybody gets to taste success alongside with us, you know, and especially the people who, believed in us from day one and gave us their all, which is a lot because starting, you know, a new startup company, it's basically your life. Um, and and you, you do have to treat it as like a, um, you know, a child where that's, you know, it has to be looked over constantly and been, be taken care of properly. So, and that, that's not just for the owners. It's for it's for everybody down to the you know the the latest employee that came on board. So um, that's part of my why. And more importantly, um, I want to build a legacy, but not just in the form of assets that can be passed down to my family or anything like that. But a legacy in a sense where um, if I'm mentoring somebody, which I, I have you know, people who I'm mentoring and helping to get started in this industry, then their why is my why too now, you know, cause uh, that's my legacy. Like when I'm done and I'm like, you know, six feet on there, I, I want to know that I've touched many lives and my legacy or my name and what I've done, you know, in this lifetime carries on and the lessons that I help teach other people to help others gets passed on in an exponential form. That's, that's my why. Wow. You must like love what you do. Cause you know, like starting one business is hard, but you got six of them going on. 
<laughs> and um, for our listeners, you know, if they aren't familiar, do you mind sharing with them like what vertically integrated means? Oh, sure. So vertically integrating is basically, um, I guess you can say in a basic sense, it's, it's starting companies that, uh, that are in some sort of form in the process of an industry. So like real estate investing, right? So for example, um, we have our real estate investment company, which is the company that buys, fix and sells properties. So flips houses or builds uh, ground up construction for uh, small residential projects. So we have that company, but in order to you know, buy, fix and sell properties, there's a lot of stages in that. Um, so we own the real estate brokerage um, in Seattle, and we also own the construction company. We own the real estate investment fund, and we also own the property management company. So our idea basically, if you look at it in a vertical sense, is instead of focusing on just flipping houses, now we're focusing on lead generation and uh, marketing. So as deals come in, uh, we can look at every single lead. So if there's a lead that comes in and they're not distressed, the homeowner's not distressed, the, the asset's not distressed, but they still want to sell the property, we can still service them through our brokerage. So we can list them, you know, retail for on, on the market at retail price through our brokerage. Um, and then two, if it's a good deal, we can wholesale it to another investor in a sense. And then we can also provide them the primary financing through our real estate investment fund that we own. Uh, we can offer them our services in construction uh, if they need, if they don't have a, a good crew that's familiar with renovation projects, then we have that. And it is uh, different because just because you're a builder who's been building ground up construction for years, doesn't mean that you can flip a house. It doesn't mean you can run a renovation project because it's very different. You have to be able to pivot, you know, and you're, you're dealing with multiple issues that were unforeseen possibly. Um, so we, we have a construction company that kind of specializes in, you know, fix and flip projects. And then um, we can offer the listing on the back end for that investor if they, if they need, if they don't have a realtor or a brokerage that they work through. And then if they're going to hold the property and, and kind of rent it out, we have our property management company that can help service them that way too. So that's kind of what vertical integration is, is that we get to kind of take a, a, a little piece out of every fate, every stage, but we also can control the process better if it's our own pro project. So if we see a deal that we want to do ourselves through our company, our, our um, fix and flip company, then we can do that and we'll use all of our companies to service that deal. So that's basically what uh, vertical integration is. And that's our vertical uh, chain that we started. It's so powerful because it's like you don't have to go outside for anybody, you know, and along the way, if you meet a, a, an investor or someone who's looking to buy a place like you can help someone out any way along that line if it's real estate related. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But doing so many different things, I wonder if you have a favorite. 
Uh, favorite, I gotta say, um, I think right now definitely our fund uh, because it's exciting. We've been in business for one year now and uh, it was a brand new industry for me. Um, the financing side is was very new because um, even though financing is a big part of what we do, it, it is a totally different industry. Most of the people on that side, you know, they're bankers, you know, they come from the finance world. So they haven't, you know, they don't deal with realtors, they don't deal with contractors and all that. So I think that's what excited me is something new to learn. Um, and we've come a long ways in, in that process. And I, so that's excited me. And also it's just, uh, I think for the fund, it was actually our, my first company that I wanted to start. And, but it, although it took the longest to start, <laughs> so it's been my baby for a long time. And it's just like, it just bought, it was just born and, uh, you know, it's one years old. So I'm still, it, need, it still needs a lot of care, but, uh, it's quickly maturing. That company is quickly maturing and we're making a, a big, um, kind of dent in the industry. And I think it's because we're relationship based, you know, we always, um, say that we're not here to just cut loans you know, like some of the other hard money lenders or private lenders out there. We, uh, we really try to, we really understand the investor mindset, what they need because we're investors ourselves. Right. So I think that's the value that we give uh, along with a co competitive rates and terms. But that's kind of where I get my joy is that I'm on the finance side as well now and linking the two industries a little closer, you know, so all of our investors under, I try to tell them how, the money works, you know, so that they, they're understand, like they can understand why we need certain things or why certain things need to happen. Right. So that's been very fulfilling so far. That's so exciting. It was like the first thing you wanted, but the last thing that came to fruition, but now it's here and it's like a reality. So anybody listening, if there's something you want to do, like don't be discouraged, right? It might take time it might come in a different order than you imagine but if you keep working at it eventually you'll get there absolutely Koi, do you want to tell us about your your new fund even though it's already been a year it's still like i'm guessing probably in your eyes and it's like beginning stages right it's so exciting i want to hear more about it yeah sure i so our fund um we do loans nationwide um and we are backed by large institutions that, and we call them our capital partners. So some of these institutions, they're too big to really um, kind of do loans direct to the investor. Uh, so they rather have um, correspondent funds like ours out there because we have the deal flow since we have the network and we come from this space. So we're, we bring the deals to the table, they bring the money, they fund through our fund and we close. Right. So um, we're very competitive. Uh, we do fix and flip loans, ground up construction for residential. We have multifamily um, bridge products that are we even have one that's 100 percent financing. So if somebody's going into wants to buy a 50 unit apartment building um, or maybe a 100 unit apartment building, then we can finance it 100 um, percent. It's a little strict, though. We have to be careful uh, with who we're we're working with because we're almost like a partner, right? And we want them, we want the asset to be stabilized within nine months 
and have them refied out with a conventional loan um, within 12 months, which we can help them with as well. Um, so that, you know, with our, with our fund, we have so much uh, loan products to offer and uh, we will likely be investing ourselves. Um, we have private capital, of course, and uh, so in select deals and in select markets, we will be you know providing gap funding as well behind the the, the first position. Um, we'll we'll be taking equity. We'll be like equity partners. So, but the investor won't have to raise any money, you know. So that that's my my goal that I, I was hoping for, and uh, I was hoping to have that set up by the end of the year, but. COVID kind of threw that in a spin because we were supposed to meet our attorney a few months ago um, to finalize everything. And uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen now anymore. So that's on hold, but that is in the future. And we do have um, loan products that are pretty much 100% financing like that multifamily bridge commercial product. Um, we also are in the middle of closing some loans that are ground up construction of hospitality. So hotels, so we can finance Basically, we have unlimited capital to place. Uh, it has to be a good deal. You know, it has to meet our criteria. But if it is, then we'll fund it all day long. Nice. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, 100% for financing for large multifamilies like that is like almost unheard of, right? Like what kind of rates, um, what kind of rates do you give your investors and also um, for are you looking for yourself? Um, so for the funds, it ranges like for that hundred percent financing, it's expensive. It's like 11% and seven points, but the investor doesn't have to come to the table with any money. Basically. Um, I think they, they do have to put down like a $10,000 deposit, which is refundable. Um, that's just to pay for me and our, our capital partners site visit. Cause we have to lay eyes on it, um, before every deal, especially if we're going to leverage a hundred percent. So uh, other than that, you know, the, the interest payments that the investor has to usually raise or, or syndicate um, is wrapped into the loan. The points are wrapped into the loan. The closing costs are also wrapped into the loan. So, and, and the construction costs. So it's, it's true 100% financing, but it's expensive. It's 11% interest and, you know, seven points. But again, that's all paid for in the loan, as long as the loan doesn't exceed 75% of the after repair value. So once the asset stabilized, like, and that, that value, the projected value, then we cannot lend over 75% of that value. So we have that, our, our fix and flip loans are kind of standard. We can loan up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the renovation costs. Um, and interest rates now are anywhere from maybe nine and a half to 12%. And uh, two to three, two to three or three and a half points. So before COVID, it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> but during the COVID times, uh, definitely the the banks and the the financing side for hard money and private money definitely took a big hit. You know, so some of our capital partners uh, didn't make it through that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, that is unfortunate, but I think we're going to maybe continue to see more changes coming in the whole lending side and financing of things due to COVID in the coming months and weeks, huh? What, what, what do you see happening, um, you know, forecasting for, for the end of this year and for next year? 
Um, it's really hard to tell, right? I mean, uh, even some of the, the biggest experts can give an opinion, but it's it's also comes with a disclaimer, like I'm not sure, right? Because there's so many different uh, factors in this, which makes it so interesting, you know, because I never, I've never been through a crash. You know, I've never been through a recession, a deep recession before. I came in at the bottom on the way up, you know, so life's been really good till now. <laughs> and like, um, but I, during that time, I've always asked people who've, who've been in the business longer than me, like, what do they do? You know, what's their plan? You know, and like, that's what I, you know, me and my partners and, and all of our teams, we always want to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Right. But always have like a, a, a plan in case, you know, things do go bad and it goes bad quickly. So um, what we want to do, cause I feel that especially it's going to be market specific. I feel, um, I feel that our market here in Hawaii will be squeezed um, pretty heavily. What, I don't know when that will be. I thought it would be sooner already, but um, there's a lot of factors in this, right? And right now the, the housing market in Hawaii is actually hot and prices have gone up. And um, so we have to think, why is that? It doesn't make sense, you know? And the reason I feel is the <clears throat> shortage of inventory uh, because people are afraid to put their houses on the market. Um, they don't want people walking through who might have the virus or something. And, um, they also feel that maybe now is the time to sit on the sidelines and wait because, uh, they feel that putting their house on the market, they're going to sit. Um, and then the interest rates are really low, historically low. So buyers have a lot of power behind them. And so you have low inventory with strong buying power, which makes a hot market right so with with that that's why i feel that it's the market in hawaii and and other markets across the nation are seeing an increase in in the housing market where i feel that it could be a trap you know it could just you got you have to be careful because the the i think the economy is being artificially inflated right now and there's a lot of fiat currency that's being dumped into the economy just to keep us afloat. And uh, once that runs out, you know, and I believe unemployment just ran out. So people who are relying on unemployment and who lost their jobs through this, I think they're going to come to the real sense of reality. So I think the real test is going to be in the next month or so to see what, um, how we as a nation react to this. And in Hawaii, we rely heavily on tourism. And like you said, like we were talking about earlier, there's a 14-day quarantine if you're coming from the outside to Hawaii. So that's um, basically killing the travel industry here. And uh, a lot of the hotels are closed still in uh, Waikiki and across the state. So, and they're projecting that the travel industry, the airline industry, the hospitality is not going to fully rebound and be back to operating at the capacity that they were before COVID uh, until 2025. So what that tells me is that it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a slow burn, you know, and it may take a, make take some time for the housing market to see a decline and it may not be drastic where I'm hoping so it's not, but it, it is coming. That's my feeling. And so we just want to 
be proactive in the decisions that we're making instead of reactive, right? So for us, you know, we're focusing on selling all of our development projects, like finishing them up, selling them. And then we're going to be sitting on some cash. Uh, Some of our investors who still want to keep their money working for them, we'll probably put them in the fund so that they can still get, you know, paid and we'll sit on the sideline and we'll pay money to, to do that, you know, because the opportunities could be huge, you know, for the people who are positioned correctly. And, um, if you're going into a long development project, I just say to be cautious, you know, but I can't speak on it because, uh, you know, the government's going to do all they can. The federal reserve is going to do all they can to keep the economy from, you know, going into a recession. Um, but I think there's, this is, I guess, uncharted waters. So even for them, I'm sure they're scratching their heads trying to figure out what the best move is, you know, and now more than ever, you know, I I've told our team is, like every single decision um, needs to be thought of like very um, in depth before we pull the trigger on, on making a decision one way or the other, because uh, it could be detrimental to us, you know, six to 12 months down the road. But by the end of the year, I'd be surprised if the Hawaii market doesn't see a decline in, in the housing market. And uh, I think it'll take till maybe the end of 2021, like once all the foreclosure industry or inventory starts to come to the market. Um, and cause right now they're, they're not processing foreclosures. They're not being put on the market. So that's again, keeping a, that's a large part of the inventory that's not being put out there to be purchased. So the, the that's contributing to the inventory shortage as well. But once all the forbearance, you know, fees are coming up, and, and once that's old and people can't pay it and they have to go into foreclosure, once all the for the properties that are already bank owned, once those properties start coming to market, I think we're going to see an influx of inventory. And um, then we'll start to see the, the, the housing prices shift. And that's going to take some time. I don't know how long, but I'm guessing maybe a year from now. So just to be prepared. You know, that's what the moves that we're making um, just in case. And if it doesn't happen, which I, I hope it doesn't, you know, I hope I'm wrong, then great, you know, but why not prepare for the worst and hope for the best through these times? Yeah. Sounds like you have a great plan going and, you know, for a lot of people like myself too, I've never gone through a recession, so we'll see what happens. But like you, you know, I'm selling my house, I'm getting ready and hoarding a lot of cash. Right. So even when these do like opportunities do come up, there are a lot of people now, you know, who are ready to purchase and to get into deals, you know, that's a little bit different than before. So that's a really interesting times that we're going through and um, just can't wait to see, you know, what happens. And like you said, the government will do everything that they can, you know, to try to help. But yeah. we're going to uh, look into the future and come back to this conversation and see if all your predictions came true. Yeah, we'll see. I hope it does it. And uh, I, I remember before uh, I was in L.A. Um, on uh, another podcast with uh, the New Wealth Group. And they asked, you know, when do we you foresee the next recession? And I, I wasn't even thinking about COVID, although it was just starting out, you know, like places were starting to shut down. But I was thinking, you know, I, I feel it's coming soon, you know, because we've been on a historic bull run where we're just going up. And um, 
I, I, I felt that, you know, it, it might be soon and that, you know, I said, like, I'm ready to earn my stripes. You know, I've never been through one, but I feel like I'm prepared enough and, and you know, I understand the fundamentals enough to be able to ride one through and make the right moves to not just survive, but thrive through a recession. And uh, as soon as that podcast was over, I went to LA, they shut down everything. LAX was a ghost town. It was so creepy. I never thought I'd see LAX like that. And then came back home and kaboom, you know, everything was shut down. Our capital partners were going belly up. I was like, wow, I can't believe it. I knew you know, when I said I'm ready to earn my stripes, I was like, I didn't think it was going to be this fast, you know, <laughs> like, uh, just be careful what you wish for, you know, is what, is what Seriously. Is <laughs> yeah, so it'll be quite a gnarly one if I am right, you know, and uh, there will be a lot of people who won't survive this. And so I think with, you know, anyone listening, hopefully that they start to prepare themselves, you know, and because it can be, the, the best opportunity for people just getting in because there will be deals everywhere. And um, it's kind of when the, like the stock market went, went down, you know, and like people were panicking and stuff, but I mean, Amazon and Tesla, they were all on sale, you know, people who got it. I wish I, I, I don't invest in the stock market. You know, I, I, I invest in real estate. Um, but people who did get in, who, who knew that this is opportunity um, you know, they, they did very well in a short amount of time. So there is going to be a lot of opportunity there and you can invest in any market. You just have to understand the fundamentals, you know, market cycles for one and um, supply and demand, basic economics, right? And then bringing it back to the fundamental questions as an investor yourself, before you go to any investment, you know, you want to be able to ask yourself and know like, what's my risk? And what's, what's my return? And is my return worth the risk? It comes down to those two questions. The process is simple, but it's, just, it's not easy though, right? As we all know. So it's a simple process, tried and true. You know, the, the formula is there, but it's not easy. It takes somebody, um, it takes something within you, which is your why, to push through all the little roadblocks that come along the way during that simple process, you know, so... Yeah, for sure. Definitely simple, but not easy. Hey, Corey, is there anything you would do differently, you know, now almost a decade after you started, right? Oh, I think if I could do things differently, I, when Kiko and I were starting out as partners, we kind of just strapped up and blasted off in the in a rocket ship you know and um we grew so fast where we were flipping houses in multiple states and stuff so but when you grow that big i don't care how good your team is you know things start to slip through the cracks and so it 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 provided him and i a lot of headaches at early on and so that was very stressful um so i'd say you know you definitely want to take action. You don't want to sit on the sidelines too long. You don't want to be overly cautious because that's death too, you know? Um, and it's basically death by inaction, you know? So either way, um, you, you, have to, you have to chase your dreams. You have to pull the trigger. But at the same time, um, there is such a thing as growing too fast. 
because everything kind of implode, you know, and fortunately, you know, we were able to work through all of it. Uh, but now that was a huge lesson, you know, is like definitely you want to set up infrastructure first and grow organically. Uh, let, let things happen organically. Ride momentum. You know, if you close your first deal, ride that momentum, look for the next second deal. But if you're starting to get three or four and you know you can only handle like two, then I'd say it's better to pass up on the, th the third and the fourth than, you know, take in all four and have all four of them go bad and you lose money on all four, you know? So that's my recommendation <laughs> to, or what if, if I could go back and change something, I would have grown a lot slower, you know? Nice. So nice. Yeah. I mean, there will always be more deals, right? Correct. So it's okay to pass up on some of them, but sounds like um, you through that learned about your own capacity too, which is super important. Absolutely. Yeah, there is such a thing as like, you know, people have said before, and it's so true that like, sometimes your best deal is the one you didn't do, you know, because that deal could have been, you know, gone very bad, you know, it could have been um, the one that kind of breaks everything. Right. So definitely uh, proceed with caution. <laughs> for sure yeah so many great nuggets of advice in this whole conversation today is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched upon yet um no i mean uh really i feel even during these uncertain times and where you know we don't know where the housing market's gonna lead um and the economy as a whole in general I feel that it'll be worse for someone who's looking to get started and has the passion and the fire in them. It'll be worse for them to sit on the sidelines because they're scared um, than to actually educate themselves and take charge of their own destiny and come into the industry and become a force. Because like I said, like opportunity never disappears. It just moves. So we have to think fundamentally, where is this opportunity moving, right? And so um, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, uh, opportunities out there. There are a lot of homeowners and other investors who need our help. You know, um, for instance, all the vacation rental owners, you know, who basically some of them are just bleeding, you know, and they're taking big hits. Yeah, I know so, so an investor who owns 10 of them out here and uh, was just making a killing, you know, every month, right? And uh, then all of a sudden COVID happens and now there's no bookings and he, not, he still has to pay HOA fees or maintenance fees if it's a condo and a mortgage. So there's gonna be people out there in distressed situations that need buyers like ourselves to come in with cash or alternative financing to help them get out of a tough situation. And that's the value that we bring. So, and with that, we get, we get paid, if you do it right, we get paid very, very well. And you can become very, very wealthy and financially free in this industry, in any market, you know? So even though, you know, everyone else may be screaming danger, it's danger for them. It's not danger for a savvy, you know, professional real estate investor who understands market cycles and fundamentals 
and perhaps maybe has a mentor looking over their shoulder, you know, checking the boxes before you pull the trigger. I have many mentors, you know, and before I do anything crazy, because you know, I've done some crazy stuff, like start six separate, separate companies <laughs> almost at the same time. Um, I, you know, I always, there's a few people who I call who are mentors to me. And, um, and I, I check with them, I get all of their opinions and then I make my decision. Right. So like you definitely, it's definitely not the time to sit on the sideline. It never is the time to sit on the sideline. So I, I feel that, um, getting into this industry is definitely worth it. You know, if you have the right reasons why so key all all comes back to the why <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah like you said you know have a mentor get yourself a plan but don't forget to take action yes yeah and you have to be dangerous with information is what i say because that's who i was i was the guy in the back of the room closest to the exit right but i was also probably the most dangerous person in the room because I, w I was dangerous with information, you know, so it didn't matter if I was an introvert and I didn't want to speak up. Like I still took charge and for, for myself in a sense where everything that was being told to me, I took, I soaked it in and I put it to action. Um, so I feel like you have to be an, a trigger puller, right? You have to take action and you also have to be dangerous with information because information's out there. It, it's, it, we have, we're so fortunate to have access to all of it now. It's just, you know, are you going to put in the time and efforts to, to chase it and, and to take action on it? You know, I used to listen to podcasts, you know, when I was first starting, like on the daily, like if I was mowing the lawn, washing dishes, driving in traffic out or working out, I'd always have, someone in my ear, you know, a podcast. And like, I wouldn't understand the language, you know, and, but after a few episodes in, I start to understand, you know, and you start to speak it. So that's the only way, you know, you have to immerse yourself in the industry and, and the information and things will happen a lot faster. You know, that's how, that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's no, I was the exact same way listening to podcasts all the time. But if our listeners are listening now, where can they find you, Corey, if they want to take some massive action? Um, I'm on, I have Facebook and Instagram and it's just, uh, my handle is at Corey, C O R Y dot Nemoto. That's N E M O T O. And, uh, I like Instagram and Facebook because like I can, I, you know, post stuff about what we're doing and like, I can interact with people you know, that, that are following, you know, through direct message or something. So that's probably the best way. I mean, I do have email and stuff, but honestly, it's probably easier to contact me through social media because my email inbox just, just gets flooded. <laughs> and all of that information will be linked in the show notes. So go ahead and check that out if you want to reach out to Corey after listening to this episode, guys. And thank you so much, Corey, for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Joanne. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Awesome. That was oh, great. That was <laughs> wow, was you that an away, hour? Yeah, that was oh, an that hour. Was so <laughs> you gave away so much good information. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. That was great. Like sometimes I, I, I don't know. 
yeah, you're doing you. so much it's amazing it's really cool yeah, yeah i'm wondering how you like have all the time it's it's yeah that's the consequences of having all those companies like it comes with a lot of responsibility and it's it's not easy uh, to be honest like i'm thinking my first kind of two-day vacation but it's kind of like a workcation you know my my other half it's her birthday on friday friday yeah so uh, we're just island hopping to Maui to take the day and stuff like that. Awesome. <laughs> you know, but working like all the way up to the yeah. airport. I'm supposed to be on a Zoom call with Turner uh, <laughs> and stuff. So, wow, and if if you want, um, you can jump on our Friday call if you want. It's uh, Brandon's gonna be he's a friend of ours, so um, he's gonna be kind of talking about his uh, mobile home park acquisitions and stuff. So. Yeah. Is it an investment opportunity? I think there's investment opportunities with him. I don't know if he needs money or not. I really don't. So it's going to be interesting. So <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to. Yeah, I said that. Cool. Up. And um, so that's the seventh. We're going to, I don't know, if you're on Facebook, I, we have a group called the Keiko Exchange. And you can just join in. We usually post, we'll probably post it early this time to start putting the word out there. But um, it'll have the Zoom link and the password and stuff like that. Awesome. So, Thank you. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll definitely join the group. I was like, are you going to go meet up with him when you go to Maui? Well, I probably won't because like, it's supposed, <laughs> not supposed to be a business trip. But uh, last time we did, you know, uh, Ashley, my girlfriend Ashley and I went because she's a realtor too. And she's helped oh, okay. Nice. You know? So, uh, but this time it's for her. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I mentioned is, like, hey, dude, I'm going to be in the area. <laughs> I see you on the call, actually. You're like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be knocking on his door. <laughs> no, Brandon's a great guy. Yeah, he's a, he, and Bigger Pockets was one of the podcasts I used to just listen to, you know? So when I when they invited me on, it was just surreal, you know, talking to him. So. Same. Bigger Pockets all day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And he's an awesome guy. Super down to earth, you know, so... I'm excited for that Friday call then. <laughs> I'll check yeah. out the Facebook group for more information. Perfect. Well, I'm just going to do a quick video. Sorry for my oh, yeah. social. So if you want to wave. <laughs> cool. I'll post that later. Hey, and uh, what, what are you What are you on? Instagram or Facebook? Instagram, yeah. Um, it's just my name, Joanne C. Tan. The letter C. Well, Joanne, if any, if I can help you in any way, you know, um, let me know. I, I'd love to help you. I have a lot of people who are in the real estate investing, you know, industry who would love, you know, who would love to be on your podcast and stuff. So for I sure. Can, yeah. If you have any other suggestions, let me know because, you know, my network is only limited to who I know. So I would love to expand that and share the love. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all real estate, right? It's all real estate. Yeah, this was started by Brian, um, but he recently started a Facebook group. Did I already mention this to you? It got like 60,000 members in six months. So it really took off and he's focusing on that business now. Um, it's called Asian Hustle Network. If you're in there or if you're not, you can oh, check nice. it out. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, so I'm taking over the podcast for him. For me, I invest in multifamily outside of California, uh, large apartment buildings, syndication. So. Are you like the general partner or are you the sponsor? Yeah, yeah, the general partner and the sponsor. 
Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Looking awesome. to do more. Yeah. Oh, so cool. if any way I can help too, just let me know. You know, if you're ever back here in California, I don't know when, but when travel <laughs> really comes back, I have a meetup too. So if you want to oh. meet some California-based investors. Absolutely. Where in uh, California are you? Uh, I'm. My meetup's near like oh, Oakland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. East okay. Bay. Right. Do you know Terriel by any chance? A Terriel? Terriel? I don't think so. Okay, he's a builder. Um, okay. But he's part of my mastermind group uh, with GoBundance. So uh -huh. um, I know he's out there. He's pretty heavy in like the meetups and stuff like that. But Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah. I'll check him out. Is GoBundance something that you set up or something you're part of? Actually, it was uh, it's a, something I'm part of. Mm -hmm. And uh after I did the podcast with uh, David and, and Brandon, <clears throat> they recommended me to go abundance. So for go abundance, it's like you have to be <clears throat> uh, a credit investor and you have to uh, be kind of recommended by somebody who's in the group and you have to go through this interview process. So it's pretty lengthy. Like, you, you know, they don't just take you in, you know, <laughs> and you pay like big money just to be in a pod of other investors, like other, it's not just in real estate. It's like business or, um, entrepreneurship so um, and you pay big money and really what it is is accountability right mm -hmm. and connections and stuff like that so yeah I actually got introduced to the group by uh, Brandon and David and it's been awesome yeah yeah cool. all high performers and pushes me to you know get to the next level and stuff yeah I gotta surround yourself with like-minded people right yeah absolutely but yeah I've traveled I, before covid i was traveling all the time i was in la i was in i was in san francisco so absolutely yeah yeah I'll let you know if i'm in the area it's crazy because before covid i was in hawaii so i feel like we switched places because right after oh, yeah. i got back it like shut down <laughs> wow okay yeah, yeah. where uh this time i was at oahu so <coughs> okay. that's where you're at right yeah Oh, that's Next awesome. Time. Hopefully we can meet in person someday soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully I'll see you on the call on Friday. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Have Ryan. a great day. Have fun Thanks, in Maui. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.